guys. Welcome to the Bill Barnwell Show. I am Bill Barnwell. Today, very exciting content here on the show. We are in part two of a three-part saga previewing the NFL season. We are each giving three takes from mild to medium to spicy. And when I say each, I have a couple guests with me. I am joined by the wonderful Mina Kimes and Dominique Foxworth. Guys, how are you? So, what's my adjective? How come she gets wonderful? What am I? I, I wonderful applied to the entire group of people. Uh, it's okay. not just for one sure. person. That's my good Um Delightful, wonderful, cherished. I, I would say the cherished Dominique Foxworth. <laughs> Thank you. I like that. Is the word I would use. We are already in part two because on Mina's feed, on the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny, we did part one of this three-part series with Mina's three takes for the upcoming NFL season. I'm here doing part two, and then later we will get to Dominique for the third and final section, but these are my three takes, and I brought along two of my very good friends to tell me why they are going to be wrong for the upcoming season. Mina's takes, I think, Dominique, you can agree with me. There there were some red pepper flakes left on the counter. Yeah. I think she she understood that she was going first. So mm-hmm. she it's all escalating to my takes at the end. Well, actually, your takes are pretty spicy. Maybe we'll decide. Actually, bills are. Yeah, I think bills are the hottest of all of them when you really. You know, I, I would say unrefined palate on my end. We're just dumping as much spice as possible in here. It will it'll come out in the wash. I, I, I don't think I think two of these are pretty mild. But the third one is, is a little crazy. I'll be fair. But we'll start with the mild one. I don't think this is nuts. It kind of feels like this bandwagon is a little too hot for me, but I will want to see what you guys think. So my mild take for the 2023 NFL season is that the Detroit Lions are not going to do the thing that everybody is expecting. They're not going to take a step forward in 2023. <gasps> Is this this like a hipster hipster pick? Because I feel like the Lions were the hipster pick last year. So hipsters are no longer on that. Yeah, they're the consensus consensus pick. Yeah, they are are mainstream now. No question. They are on a major label. They have broken through. (laughs) You don't have you're not going to lay the argument. You want us to take down the argument before you even lay it out, huh? I'm going to I just wanted to get, I wanted to get your initial reactions. Wanted to to, to get a sense of the room. See that's if spicy. That is. I mean, it's not the spiciest, but I think it is definitely for your first take, which is supposed mm-hmm. to be your most mild take. That's got some spice. Well, let me lay out the reasons why. So, of course, the Detroit Lions last year, everybody expected them to be better. They were on my list of the five teams most likely to improve. They start one and six. Everyone's sad, angry, depressed. Don't know what to do. The Lions just keep losing <laughs> games in tragic fashion in the fourth quarter. And then a dam breaks. Suddenly, the Lions beat the Packers in that game where Aaron Rodgers threw two interceptions in the end zone, one of which was to a wide-open David Bakhtiari. And the Lions can't stop winning. They go 8-2 and two over the final 10 games of the season. They beat the Packers twice, including knocking the Packers out of the playoffs in Aaron Rodgers' final game in week 18. Their two losses were a narrow loss to the Bills, and then they got blown out inexplicably by the Panthers in week 16, which cost them a trip to the postseason. But 
they were in great shape. And then you add a bunch of pieces to the roster this offseason, two first round picks. You go out and you sign a bunch of defensive backs and Emmanuel Mosley, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, and Cameron Sutton, who I already said on Mina's show is super underrated. The Packers trade Aaron Rodgers. It feels like everything is coming together for the Lions to win the NFC North. Here's my concern. Mention this with the Steelers in our first podcast on Mina's feed. Yeah, Steelers fans, go check it out. (laughs) (laughs) Winning streak. The winning streak, the last last 10 games of the year, they turn the ball over four times in 10 games. They are the best offense in football over that stretch because they stop turning the ball over at an incredible rate. The only time they in in those four games, in those 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 four turnovers, two of them came in the loss to the Bills, one of them came in the loss to the Panthers. They don't turn the ball over and keep winning games week after week after week. And that is not sustainable. As much as I love Ben Johnson, as much as I love Jared Goff, as much as I like the pieces in this offense, my nerd side is telling me their offense is not going to be as good because they cannot protect the ball as well as they did during the second half of the season. And then the vibe side of me is saying they got rid of Jamal Williams and that is going to ruin the energy around this football team. <laughs> I think, I mean, I think this is not as crazy a take as originally I thought, because even though I don't love to break down O-line play, I have come to accept that one of the most important predictive things for how effective an offense is going to be is they can protect their quarterback. And you could easily make the argument that this is the best O-line mm-hmm. in the NFL. And Jared Goff plays well when he is not under pressure. So that feels good. Them still having Jamison Williams can't find the field for well, right now it's for gambling uh, and previously injury reasons, I think hurts this team uh, when they're relying so heavily on a slot receiver to be like their number one guy, I think is not great for them offensively. Mm-hmm. But part of the reason why I think I was on the Lions along with most other people was because I thought that we didn't have to worry about the Packers. Mm-hmm. I thought those were two automatic wins. I no longer believe that. I think Jordan Love is going to be at least average with the rest of the talent that that the Packers have on that team. I think that's enough that they could beat the Lions. Like, I just thought the, the Lions were going to run through this division, which would get them close to eight wins. They'll find the rest of the wins elsewhere. But I don't think this division is going to be as much of a cakewalk as I originally thought. I think I think the division is pretty it's it's it was very it's more like the NFC South than I think people might be giving it credit for. Like, I actually mm-hmm. think it's pretty hard to come up with a definitive ranking of the four teams yeah. um, top to bottom. And so I, 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 I think I echo Dominique's point, which supports Bill's point about the division, not being a cakewalk. Uh, by the way, Jordan Love has looked nice the preseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every time I mention a player playing well in the preseason, somebody should like spray me with a water bottle. But <laughs> he has looked nice. And that, uh, you know, the Packers heard you talking about the Lions offensive line and they'd say, look at our guys, dude, because we are dominating as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think here, so I'll uh, I'll challenge it and mount a defense of the Lions. So, Bill, your case, a lot of it is that they had really uh, good turnover luck in the second part of the season. You also said, I love Jared Gaff, which immediately negated everything else you said, by the way, because <laughs> I could feel yeah. just the lies emanating from you. <laughs> um, I think... The reason why, and ultimately, I do still have the Lions winning division. There's a couple, a few things. Um, one of which is 
offense is stickier than defense. Mm -hmm. And when I look at the offense, while I have talked a little bit about outside receiver being an issue, especially obviously with uh, Jameson Williams out, and then Lions fans like, you didn't even play last year. Yeah, but they had other players. I think this, when I watch this offense, it's... I think Ben Johnson is like him, (laughs) to Mm -hmm. be honest. Like, I... When I watch them, I'm like, oh my God, that's so devious. Like the way he uses different personnel groupings and makes things look alike and then hits you with counters and surprises and sequences things together. I think right now he's probably one of the five best play callers in the NFL. And I think they have enough pieces as well as the dominant offensive line to continue playing. Maybe they won't be the best offense. Maybe they won't be, you know, be top seven or whatever, but I still think they're going to be pretty good. Uh, and then the defense last year really <laughs> improved as the second half went on. The pass rush improved and they made such a concerted effort to improve their secondary. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to be one of the better defenses in football. Uh, I'm not going to make that leap, but if they can just be average, we're talking about a team that was knocking on the door of the playoffs last season. So I think if the defense is average and the offense is good, that in and of itself is probably a playoff team. No, I noticed also that the final four games of the season was the the split that I looked at. They got better at rushing the passer, which is like a, a key factor. I think to have consistently good defense. I'm not sure that that's replicable because it's, uh, I mean, I want guys that I know can do it consistently. Aiden Hutchinson mm-hmm. is the only one. And so, like, I don't feel as comfortable with that as I do projecting the improvement in the secondary. So, like, I feel better about being optimistic. If I'm going to be optimistic and support or um, and refute Bill's take, it would be that they invested a lot in getting this secondary up to speed. And I think the secondary you could argue is more important than the defensive line, but they're on similar planes with the flexibility. I mean, I, I personally think corners are more important <laughs> than D line, but uh, it gives you a certain amount of flexibility defensively that I don't think that they had last year. And Chauncey Gardner Johnson, if nothing else is going to turn the ball over, which I know is random, blah, 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 blah. But it just so happens that some guys managed to get lots of, them, mm-hmm. and maybe he's going to get lots of them, which is going to help them uh, be successful. And, uh, it's a bit redundant, but that offensive line, I, I mean, you're just not going to put people out of the game who who can keep their quarterback um, safe for the duration of the game, as long as your quarterback is decent. And Jared Goff is at least that. Mm-hmm. I just want to point out the, the final four weeks of the year the Lions played Zach Wilson, Sam Darnold, Justin Fields, and then Aaron Rodgers. So three quarterbacks who get out of bed and get sacked. Most weeks is my only concern about them. I think it was well. pressure rate, though, which well, I guess, yeah, you can hold the ball and create pressure rate. I was thinking of pass rush win rate, which is different. James but, Houston, one of the all time great yes. uh, NFL nicknames, the problem. <laughs> <So good. laughs> Come on. Respect. Oh, for sure. And I mean, like, I, I'm still optimistic about where they're going. I, I just think my most likely outcome for them is they win eight or nine games. And that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But. I think there's this idea that they're going to be like an 11, 12 win team. They're going to be clearly the best team in the NFC North and just put on the brakes on a tiny bit. Doesn't mean they're bad. Doesn't mean that they're going to be doomed. Just a little concerned, but it sounds like you guys are both thinking they're going to win the NFC North. Can I ask you one quick question, both of, of you, which is a reference back to my podcast, my one of my takes. Who do you guys think is better? The Lions or the Saints? Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dominique, you go first. Um, 
That's tough. I'll say I'm going to go with the Saints. I'm going to say the Lions, even though I'm the one mm. dissing the Lions here on the show. The Lions were ninth in DVOA last year. The Saints were 19th. So I think Derek Carr makes the Saints better. But the Lions are one of the youngest teams in football. Saints are one are literally the oldest team in football. So I would go Lions. Mm. Age ain't nothing but a number, Bill. Mm, you're telling me? Bill hates old players and old teams. All right, my medium take, and this is to be fair, I feel this way. I also feel like in our, our pre-podcast discussions, Mina, you were also debating whether to consider this one. So I'm not not saying you co-sign this one. I want to know no, what you think. No, no, I, I want no part of this take. You want, this oh, your you're take. abandoning it. Yeah, okay, I'm abandoning that's fine. It. You don't get to be on this take then if it turns out to be true at the end of the season. My medium take is that the last place Cleveland Browns will rise up and win the AFC North. They'll beat out the Ravens and their top five offense from Mina's podcast. They'll beat out the Bengals who are 12 and four. They'll beat out the Steelers who are, maybe might even have a top 10 offense and defense if Mina's spiciest take comes true. The Browns are going to win the AFC North. Here's why. They were a lot better last year than I think anybody gives them credit for. They were 11th in DVOA, even though they had that five-game stretch at the end of the year where Deshaun Watson was hopeless. They were sixth in the NFL in EPA per play on offense with Jacoby Brissett. They had the second-worst fumble recovery rate in football, so they did not recover many fumbles in their games. Teams typically improve that way. They were a little unlucky in one-score games, and I think... This is sort of the crux of any Browns optimism. And I think where we have to start in this discussion is I just think Deshaun Watson can't be as bad as he was last year. It's a hot take. I mean, it's a, it's a safe hot take because they are loaded as far as talent is concerned. The reason why this is hot is because they lost their best quarterback. <laughs> But it was like they were really good in the first half of the season with the quarterback who's no longer on the team. And then they were bad in the second half of that quarterback's the quarterback, but he can't be as bad as he was last year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you look at their talent on the defensive side of the ball, I'll start there. Like they are really yeah. good. They have the things that you want. They got Miles Garrett, uh, and they have two what I think to be two really good uh cornerbacks. They added Zadarius Smith to, I guess, add to the pass rush because Miles Garrett, I was gonna say can't do it alone, but yeah, Miles Garrett. Garrett kind of can be the pass rush all by himself. And when you have a guy like Nick Chubb on the offensive side of the ball, which I think is should be in the conversation for one of the best football players, just flat out football players in all of the NFL. I know um, Bill likes when I call people football players. <laughs> Nothing better than describing a football player as a football player. The ultimate but honor. <laughs> he, I think he's really great. If you can build an offense around that, a player that Mina pointed out to me a few weeks ago, it doesn't matter whether he's in shotgun or deep dot or wherever he is effective from all positions and taking the pressure off of the quarterback who still hasn't quite shown. I mean, he has MVP caliber talent. We know we haven't seen it in a while. So it's in the division is not an easy one. There are, there will be no easy wins. They could be any one of these teams I think could be first and last. The team that's most likely to be last though, is probably the Browns. They mm -hmm. have the, they don't have the stability of the other organizations uh, that I feel comfortable with. I think it's an interesting 
question and an interesting take because you can I, it's much it's very easy not very easy but it's it's not hard to make the argument that they have the best roster in they have one of the best rosters in the NFL um however i do think that you know Deshaun Watson can't be worse is really where every pro browns argument starts and finishes and i think we have to consider okay well where how good does he have to be for this team with a stacked roster to really contend. Like if he is the, so last year, I mean, he was bad. Like Mm -hmm. I, I don't think I didn't appreciate it during the regular season because they were out of contention at a certain point. I was kind of like, all right, out of sight, out of mind. And then when I went back and watched the summer, Oh my God. So I guess let's put it this way. If he was the 20th best quarterback in the NFL, in a division that I think we all agree is stacked, is that good enough? Like, how good, Bill, would you say Deshaun Watson has to be? Because if the, if the Browns were in, like, the AFC South or the mm-hmm. NFC, well, you know, I think this would be a lot. I just think this division is a bloodbath. Oh, no question. But it's a bloodbath for everyone. Like, like everyone yeah. is going to be having to do with the possibility of losing any of these divisional matchups. I think he has to be as good as Jacoby Brissett was a year ago, which to me is not that crazy. Like I, I think with Kevin Stefanski, we've seen him get you know successful seasons out of quarterbacks who were not regarded around the NFL as superstars. Um, I mean, Brissett did not have or a big free agent market this year. He signed a deal to be the backup with the Commanders. Baker Mayfield had his best season with Stefanski a couple of years ago. Obviously, we don't know how the fit's going to be. It didn't look good, as you mentioned, um, on first glance last year with Watson and Stefanski. I think I'm optimistic it'll be better. But I think the Brissett thing is, you know, they were a legitimately good offense with Brissett. I think this leads to like an interesting coaching question and dilemma because if you approach a season with Baker Mayfield, you know what you're going to do. And so I think coaching to a player's ability kind of clears things up for you in some way. And this might Mm -hmm. be partly the like Kyle Shanahan. I don't know if it's a dilemma or a situation in that he can coach to a player whose skill set is limited. The problem with having a player like Deshaun Watson is, you know, that he has shown the capability of being these other guys, like these, Hmm. these game changer guys. So like, how do you go, how do you enter a game with a game plan that is both ready to make him as good as Jacoby Brissett, but also ready to make him as good as, as um, Josh Allen or Jalen hurts, which I think it's a hard, it's a hard problem to solve. Uh, well, I, just, I think that you're hitting on the thing that maybe we all underestimated when this marriage happened and like football fit was not top of mind when there was literally, you know, still allegations of mm-hmm. sexual assault and misconduct coming out. And we weren't like, hmm, but how's he going to fit in the wide zone under center right. offense? Like that didn't really like. But now I think, you know, which is not to say those other things don't matter anymore, but like we are sort of wrestling with it in a way that is to Dominic's point, like it's not a it's not a great fit. It's not just like, okay, they, they do what they do. This is you know, Kevin Stefanski, they're really good at what they mm-hmm. do. And I think it was a lot easier for them to say, okay, Jacoby, you're gonna be a cog in this machine. And now you have an offense that's going to be geared more towards uh, amplifying the skills of the quarterback. Is it going to necessarily be better? I, I'm not so sure. Although I will say, 
I really like this wide receiver group. I like the Elijah Moore trade. I thought Mark Cooper was quietly excellent last year. It's a good roster. It just doesn't... I think it's just like translating that roster to a coherent scheme is still a as much of a question mark for me as is whether Deshaun Watson can get back to anything who he was as a player. Shocked you did not uh, hype up Austin Watkins Jr. as one of your preseason <laughs> celebs. He looks great. He looks great. Um, that's a very fair point. Don't sleep on Tillman, by the way. Cedric Tillman. Ballin. No, I mean, like, I think it's a, a totally legitimate point. I think sort of my optimism is based on the idea of if this was going to be a terrible fit, why did the Browns pursue this? Why would Stefanski go out of his way to try and get to Sean Watson? Why would Watson want to come play for the Browns if they were like, yeah, we're going to plug you in. It's going to be, you know, uh, all all seven-step drop, <laughs> under center, all boot. Like, it feels like there has to be some ground here where both sides were like, okay, this is how this can work schematically. The fact that we didn't see it really work in the final few games of last year is definitely a reason for some significant pause. But I, I, I have to believe there's more possibilities there. If it doesn't work this year, I mean, number one, Stefanski won't be there anymore. But number two, I feel like I'll be really surprised. I'm still a little optimistic, even though last year was so bad. I can answer those questions quite easily for you. Deshaun Watson got guaranteed two hundred and um thirty million dollars, and the Browns haven't had a good starting quarterback yeah. since they returned to the NFL. So the, that's why they came together. I don't think fit matters at at that point. I'm a little skeptical that Jimmy Haslam, you know, amidst all of what happened last year, was like, "Yeah, but I really think we can integrate the empty offense that we saw him succeed in Houston with what we do under center." Uh, I want to. I, I, I wanted to support Bill's take, though. Let's move away from Deshaun and the offense. I am excited about this defense. I do think they're going to be better. I think Jim Schwartz is one of the sneaky best uh, coaching hires of the offseason. And I think it's a defense that's continuous, that's for now some time underperformed relative to its talent level. The guys that they brought in, some of the schematic tweaks, I think, will elevate this group. And I wouldn't be surprised if they finish with a much, much, much better result than they did last two years. Absolutely. I think Schwartz is a really good about getting matchups for his, his defensive linemen um, in terms of getting them one-on-ones and how they line up, how they shift, how they attack protections. I think that's going to create more opportunities for Miles Garrett. I like them bringing in Agbo Okonkoro to play as sort of the rotation end behind Garrett and Zedaria Smith. I think Del- Dalvin Tomlinson is one of the more underrated additions any team made this offseason. They really needed somebody on the interior. Their run defense has been brutal the past couple of years and that's why i'm saying they have to get to the brissette level because i believe if they can get a brissette level offense from last year which was very good admittedly but if they can get to that level on offense i think they'll be a little luckier in 2023 in terms of fumbles in terms of uh late game performance and i think the defense is going to take a step forward you know i i do believe they have enough talent there that even if it's not a top 10 defense i i think maybe if I could redo this take, which I'm not going to, I'm not not backtracking. Don't 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 write in the paper I was backtracking. I I I I would throw the the take you put out there, meaning for the Steelers, where I think the Browns could have a top ten offense yeah. and a top ten defense. Maybe that's a you know a, a different way of framing. That's it. That's the cowardly yeah. way of framing it. You, you know, it's actually you don't have to do a record prediction. <laughs> yes, but like I guess the other thing is like I I have my concerns about the other teams 
in this division. The Ravens are already down Marlon Humphrey. Their cornerback room is mm. a mess. Mm. Chance Lamar does not adapt to the new offense immediately. There, there's maybe some, you know, some hesitation, some struggles. The Steelers grossly outplayed their point differential. We talked about on the meanest on Mina's side of the podcast how they stopped turning the ball over. Angles are rebuilding their secondary. Joe Burrow's already injured. They faced the highest percentage of any team in football in terms of playing backup quarterbacks last year. That helped their schedule, helped their pass defense. I, I, I think this division is more wide open than people give it credit for. We'll see. We will see. The final take disgusts me. Final take disgusts me. Well, I feel like neither, I, I have not convinced either of you with my mild or medium takes that uh, that they should be taken seriously. I think they're, they're both defensible. Absolutely. <laughs> In contrast. This one, though, this one is this one is not defensible. Just go. Just say it. Spit it out. My spicy take is that the Russell Wilson trade will be seen as a slight win for the Broncos by the end of 2023. Dominique, you react. I'm compromised. (laughs) So since you gave us some time to prepare with these takes, I looked and just kind of double checked at the compensation. Mm -hmm. So if Witherspoon is any good, there's Mm -hmm. no chance that you win this. So (laughs) that's it. But the fact it doesn't look like, I mean, a lot of guys that they got from the trade are no longer on the team or impactful. So if Russell Wilson turns into a starting level quarterback. Mm -hmm. Then it comes down to Witherspoon versus Wilson. The quarterback position is more important and thus you have a better shot there, but you're asking for a lot from a guy in Russell Wilson who hasn't been good in a while. Did I miss something, Mina? Uh, we're going to ignore Charles Cross, the left yeah, tackle. He's a, he's he a was, starting left he was, tackle. He's, yeah. he's good. He's, he's like yeah, an he's, actual good left tackle. So the Seahawks got a, a starting left tackle on a rookie contract who was who played really well last year. And then they also have uh, Devin Witherspoon, the cornerback. Well, sorry. I said I would dial back. <laughs> No, my the reason why I said, yeah, you're getting emotional. You're getting in here because you're connected <laughs> to this team. The reason why I brought, boiled it down to Witherspoon is because you're going to have to have two impact players to overtake a quarterback. I'm mm. accepting that, uh, which may be false or maybe silly for me to accept, that Russell Wilson turns out to be at least a starting level, mediocre to slightly above average quarterback. If that happens, then you're going to need Witherspoon and Cross. I think Cross is is a good tackle, but a tackle versus a good quarterback, I'll take the quarterback every day. Attack or um a cornerback versus a good quarterback, I'll take the quarterback every day. Both of them, we have a different conversation. Now you guys are even underselling how hard this is going to be because there's a third component to this that you're not giving. Uh, I think sufficient credence to which is that they found Gino and Gino was good last year. So I have not only, not only does all that have to be true to make this correct, Gino has to be bad this year. No, 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 no. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't factor it in because you're saying win the trade to win the trade. I'm talking about the, I guess you're including that they would not have discovered that Gino was any good. You're including that as a win of the trade. They traded Russ thinking, okay, we'll be fine at quarterback. And then they were more than fine at quarterback. Gino Smith was very good last year. So for this, for this to be true, which the more, the the more we talk about it, the more nervous I get, Uh, we're here. We're here. We're here. I, I, I am honestly the thing that, that, maybe throw this out there is thinking about the Robert Griffin trade um, where not that that trade was good for the Rams in the long run, but 
that was a trade where after year one, it was like a joke that the the Rams had traded that pick away and given up the opportunity to go and get Robert Griffin. And by the end of that trade, it was, even though the Rams didn't pick the right players, it was a huge victory for the Rams. Or the, the Carson Wentz trade, where the Browns were like laughed at and and it was embarrassing that they traded that pick to the Eagles when they could have drafted Carson Wentz. And now that trade in the long run looks bad for both teams in a way, I guess, but worked out fine for the Eagles to win a Super Bowl. Like we're, we're, we're so quick to decide who wins and loses a trade after one year. And I think that is something that maybe I'll take advantage of here in having this, this very spicy take. Uh, let's, let's start with the Russ side of things. We can get to the Seahawks side in a minute, but let's start with the Russell Wilson side of this equation. To me, I'm optimistic about Russell Wilson in part because I trust Sean Payton. And I think, I I don't believe Sean Payton takes this job unless he is not just hopeful he can fix Russell Wilson, but very confident he can fix Russell Wilson. They're basically stuck with him for contract reasons for two more years. They would owe, I think it's like 83 million in dead money if they moved on from him after this season. So like, he's not going anywhere for two years to me. After two years, anything's on the table, but I, I believe the moves they made this offseason, it was very clear they wanted to run the ball more, be more physical, basically do the stuff they did in Seattle that we didn't want them to do anymore. But the idea of sort of unlocking a more efficient Russell Wilson by putting less of the load on his shoulders, um, I believe that offense can work with with Russell Wilson as, as the point man where he's going to be. Uh, you know, he's going to be on the move. He's going to be running boot. He's going to be running stuff out of the pocket. Um, you know, I, I think he'll be in a position to succeed in a way that he wasn't. I, I also like, I think there's this, been this thing where like, because Russ was bad by all accounts in 2022, people have been like backfilling to be like, oh yeah, he has to be good in a couple of years. Russell Wilson was very good in 2021. He, there was no, Nobody was saying Russell Wilson was bad after the 2021 season. They had a bad year, but that was in part because Russell Wilson got hurt, which is not doesn't mean, mm-hmm. mean he was bad at football. It doesn't mean that he was struggling. Um, and the defense I love. I think the defense is great. I, I think for the Broncos to hold up their end of the bargain here, Russ has to play better, and they have to make it to the postseason. And I think both those things are very possible. So I think that the Broncos could be fine, and it's still a horrible trade. For them oh, yeah, because- that's fair. Every argument we make for this offense being fine is like, how can they hide Russell Wilson? <laughs> it's like, well, you know, like the, the the and I've thought about this a lot because I've tried to think about like, okay, what should this offense look like? It's Sean Payton. I think he's a great coach. Ultimately, what we're talking about is an offense that could be efficient if they lean heavily into running the ball, if they protect Russell Wilson at this point in his career. That's not a quarterback you do that trade for. Like, oh, I think sure. the, other, the other thing about the trade, though, Bill, is like it would be different if he was on, like, say, a rookie contract or something. Mm-hmm. But the other part of the trade is it came with paying him a ton of money. So you mm-hmm. have this quarterback. What you got out of it, if you're Denver, is a quarterback who not only played poorly last year, but makes a ton of money. Like, it has so compromised you as a franchise and we still think you can win for the re- I I don't disagree with any of the stuff you said. I just think there's no chance in hell you go back and do it again because all the stuff you just described that they could do. Imagine if Sean Payne was coming in and I don't know, they had uh one of the rookies this year or a value like 
they would be in such a better situation with a different quarterback. Yeah, I was going to say that it's not even about it's not even about Russ at this point. It's about winning a championship. Like I, I feel like if you you have to win a championship for them to consider this a uh, success because that's what they that's what they brought him over there for. And they felt like their roster was pretty loaded and all they needed was this quarterback to take them over the line a lot like we saw with Tom Brady and we saw with Matthew Stafford. This was the next um, team to think that they were going to be able to kind of uh, have a aging quarterback come in and, and make a run. And I think if he was good last year and they made it to the playoffs and won a game, we would be thinking about this differently. But the fact that he was terrible is really the makes it really hard to create an argument that makes this worthwhile. I tried to support you at the beginning, Bill, but then you made it hard for me to support you by putting Gino in the conversation too. Because if you put Gino in the conversation, then it's absolutely over like they you needed the expectation was for the Seattle for Seattle to completely bottom out they mm-hmm. were better than them last year mm-hmm. after the trade mm-hmm. so for it to work out you're right there's still time in this but I feel like when you make a move like that no one is making a move for a quarterback who, that they're going to pay a ton of money who's at the end of his career unless it is to make a deep run in the playoffs and pro- possibly win a Super Bowl and I don't know how you can look back at this and feel like it's a win unless you do that. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Okay. I, 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 I'm saying the Broncos win a playoff game this year. Yes. It has to be the final playoff game though. Despite their quarterback. No, no, no. But like, like I'm not saying it's going to be like, I'm trying to think of a good example of like, it's not going to be like the Peyton Manning Broncos, that final season yeah. where it was like, you know, they were trying to mask him all together. Like I think he's going to be a functional, useful part of the offense. It's not going to be an MVP candidate, but I think he can be like, I don't know, like like the Russ who was not throwing the ball a ton where we were like, man, you know, even knowing now he doesn't have that like that 650 pass attempt upside, like at least the like, hey, like he can be efficient on 450, 500 pass attempts. I think he can be an efficient part of that offense. And then I think you flip it to the Geno side, like, yes, Charles Cross, Devin Witherspoon are going to be players on rookie deals. Charles Cross is a good left tackle. Um, Witherspoon, like, we don't know, I'm sure. I'm hoping he's going to be a, a totally good cornerback. We'll see, obviously. Um, but I think if if the Broncos win a playoff game and Geno Smith is not an NFL caliber starter at the end of the season and the Seahawks just have a major question mark at quarterback with no clear path to finding that quarterback, even if they have Charles Cross, even if they have Devin Witherspoon, I think there's going to be questions about, hey, you did not use these picks to go out and get your next quarterback, and you don't have a solution there. And that is what I'm concerned about. That is what I'm saying would have to happen for this to work out. Well, I actually I disagree with that premise because I don't. I think if the Broncos were to win a playoff game and the Seahawks were not, you know, whatever, I don't think it would be because of the trade. You know what I mean? Like, I think the Broncos, the situation that, in my mind, is most likely to play for the Broncos if they have any success it won't be because of the quarterback so they they will have found a way to build a decent offense around him they will have done other things but i think like there's a little like a causality there that i think is what i take i uh, object to how could your whole argument not be based on nathaniel hackett that's what i'm confused it's taken us this long to point at nathaniel hackett and he, say he doesn't want to get accused of breaking the code so uh. <laughs> I don't want to get I don't want, code. I don't I don't want to get yelled at in week five. Um I mean, how confident are you guys in Gino? Like, do you think he's gonna be the same guy again in 2023? I think he's gonna be better than Russell Wilson. 
Just the nature of their games, the way they're the Gino's also in an awesome situation. No question. In Seattle. So it's but so is Russ. Yeah. Eh. Broncos were the most injured team in football last year. Inferior R- situation to me. R- R- so I mean I the wider series are better in Seattle, but the wider series are not bad in Denver. And I think the line is in Denver is better than the line in Seattle. I think the play caller is much better in Denver. I think the running game is we'll see what happens with Javante Williams, but I mean, the running guy's probably a little better in Seattle. Like, I, I don't think it's that much different. It's different in style, but I don't think it's different in terms of having pieces around him. I would be I would be very surprised if Russell Wilson has a better year than Gina Smith. I'll just say that. I will take up that bet. In, independent of this, okay. independent of the wrongness of this very spicy take, I when I was going back and I was looking through, um, I was doing this project where I was trying to figure out you know, how often teams had access to their starting quarterback, second string quarterback, third mm-hmm. string quarterback, like what their plan was heading into the season and what actually happened. And there were so many years I came across where like a guy who was a backup had one crazy year out of nowhere because his interception rate just disappeared. And Virginia Smith, who has never been considered an NFL starting quarterback up to this point, has not been valued as an NFL starting quarterback, who I want to point out, and I, I, I made this point over and over again, the Seahawks did not think was an NFL starting quarterback. Mm. When they went out and traded for Drew Locke, thinking Drew Locke was going to be their starter, Geno Smith leads the league in NFL completion percentage, um, posts the highest completion percentage over expected in football, and looks great doing it. It wasn't like it was a fluke. Um, but his interception rate, 3.7% before last year, 1.9% this year. Like I, I don't I don't doubt that Geno has the ability to throw an accurate ball because I've seen it. Even if he was 80% of who he was last year, he's still going to be better than Russell. I mean... The fact that he didn't get a shot, I think, is more of an indictment of the NFL, frankly, than sure. Geno Smith. And when I watch them, I'm like, that guy, everything about what he's doing looks better. Wilson, I, I know statistically he was not bad his last two years in Seattle, but you saw the beginnings of the signs of what we saw last season in terms of holding on to the football too long, the decline in mobility. Ah, I'm doing it. I'm doing the thing I didn't, I said I wouldn't do, which is I'm getting too defensive uh in response to this take dominique let's end this come on forget all your stats all i know is i started feeling sorry for him and (laughs) i know you're done when i start having sympathy for you you're done like midway through the season when he was doing that high knees on the plane foolishness i was like man this poor guy so yeah i'm sorry i would never believe you'd have empathy for anybody else come on (laughs) we can cover this on your end of the podcast i'm done giving takes being berated by these two (laughs) we're gonna get to the dominique foxworth show where dominique can give his takes and finally i can go back to my my approved appropriate role of just criticizing other people's opinions the simon cowell of this uh (laughs) this trio all right head over to the dominique foxworth show now